Welcome to the Soul Grit Podcast. I'm Ann Taylor McNeese, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I also love Jesus, and I'm passionate about all things gospel and therapy. I created Soul Grit to be at the intersection of mental health and Christian faith. Christ followers need a place to ask questions and get answers about mental health. Join me as we dive into real stories and real questions from people who want to honor God with their hearts, souls, and minds. Hi, and welcome back to the Soul Grit Podcast. This is Anne. Today, I am bringing you the rest of the interview from last week with Pastor Charles Wolf. The interview that we had went a little bit longer than I like to release, so I chopped it with just about 15 minutes left at the end. And the reason that I did that was because I wanted you to be able to really get everything that we were talking about, and here's some of um, the, the fun stuff that was at the end of the conversation. But since that clip is a little bit shorter today, I'm also going to add some thoughts at the end. Um, after hearing from listeners from last week's uh, podcast episode, I had some more thoughts about that relationship with um, pastors and therapists and wanted to bring that to you as well. So after you hear this last bit with Charles, you'll hear me come back on again and talk to you a little bit more about how pastors and therapists work together. And I'm going to talk about some of the cultural considerations for that. Stay tuned. Have you ever sat through a service and thought, well, that filled in a gap? Yeah, that loosens some chains on something, right? Yeah, for sure. And um, uh, that's why I, I mean, anybody who listens to this knows I'm kind of obsessed with podcasts, but (laughs) a lot of the podcasts that I listen to are Bible teachings from various pastors. And so that's why I'm constantly filling my brain with those kinds of teaching because it loosens up the the bondage of sin. It, it, it gives you new ideas in your brain. I mean, Romans 12, two says that we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. That's why I practice cognitive behavior therapy. But I think that when you change your mind, you can change all those other things. And so by filling your mind with good things, you can get the healing that you're looking for. Uh, whether that's just by, like I said, changing your mindset or also having practical application of the word of God in your life so that you can live that out and not be repeating those negative patterns that you have been living, but doing new things that come out of your new self, right? Yeah. Put on the new self, (laughs) which Colossians three, yeah. Set your minds on things above and not you know, things here. Mm -hmm. Like I just recently, I'm always listening to something, but recently I was listening to Tim Keller preach on Ephesians and he was talking about, um, forgive being forgiven and offering forgiveness and putting on your new self. And, you know, I, I listen to that and then I immediately want to share it with someone because I know it's transformative. And like marriage and family therapists in particular, we don't just work with the 
uh, like the psychological diagnoses that you would find in the DSM-5. Like, yes, I work with depression, anxiety, all of that, but really our scope of practice is relationship. That's why the, the word marriage and family is in the title because relationship is the key piece. And so a lot of what we read in the Bible is not just about our thought life or our behavior, but it's about our interaction with people and with God. And so if we hear a sermon that is helping to transform our interactions with our fellow, with our family members, our spouse, our, our community members, then that in itself is healing as well. Yeah. Yeah. I've been doing a lot of thinking this week about the fruit of the spirit. That's mm. where we are. And, uh, the way I've usually heard those taught is like, oh, well, you know, these are just sort of like virtues that will be expressed in your life if you have the spirit of God. Mm -hmm. That's not wrong. Um, but I've noticed something about them this week, or at least I think I've noticed something about them. And I haven't heard in a lot of teaching about it that so many of the fruits of the spirit are focused on relational mm -hmm. virtue and, and, and community life. You know, love, of course, being the chief one that defines all the other ones, but also, you know, self-control, patience, kindness, right? Those would seem kind of obvious. You, you can't really point to patience or, or kindness or self-control and, and say, well, those are just sort of inward-looking virtues. You, there needs to be a second person for those right. to be expressed. You can't be patient with yourself. Yeah. <laughs> going through it in my head, I'm going, well, well, joy, joy could be, maybe be a little bit more solitary, but your joy is more complete in fellowship. Right. So. Right. And I think it becomes a little more obvious when you remember that they're contrasted with the works of the flesh where it's like, well, jealousy would rob you of joy. You know, um, jealousy is also requires a second person, Percent. you know, but um, that the, they, they read more like a list, at least to me now, of, you know, anti-community behaviors and pro-community behaviors mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. these behaviors will ruin relationships in this family these behaviors will foster them mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. and of course one comes from our fallen broken flesh the other one they are only there if the spirit is there you know? yeah. Yeah. and it makes sense if we go all the way back and see god in relationship from the dawn of time before time was created, God was in relationship. And so it would make sense that as he develops his community, his family, that relationship is uh, the value. Uh, like he has to, he has to teach us how to be together. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Okay. Charles, I'm going to wrap this up. How okay. are you, uh, or what are you doing for soul care? right now. Soul care is the fancy word that I use for self-care because I think people get that attitude of self-care is like getting a pedicure. You don't seem like a pedicure <laughs> kind of guy. No. So, um, but I, I want to make sure that when we are taking care of ourselves, that we are addressing the needs of our soul as well as all yeah. those other things. So what Full are you doing? Disclosure, I, I have had a pedicure. I just oh. <laughs> a dramatic waste of my time. Oh, <laughs> must be but, um, and this is going to be another one of those stereotypical answers. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, the stuff that we would call the spiritual disciplines, you know, yeah. um, scripture reading and prayer, mm -hmm. uh, but also 
also trying to set aside time specifically to to express love to another person. Mm-hmm. You know, the target of that is most often going to be my wife. Um, but, you know, it, it might at other times be my dad. It might at other times be our group or some individual member of our group. Mm-hmm. I think that's maybe a third spiritual discipline that gets lost. You know, yeah. we know the Bible says we should pray. So we spend a lot of time with all this agitation about are we praying enough and are we praying in the right way? Same thing is true about our scripture reading. Are we in the word enough? Are we reading it the right way? Okay, well, we were also commanded to love one another. Mm-hmm. Jesus is pretty big on that. Mm-hmm. So where's all of our agitation about? Are we loving other people well and enough? Yeah. Are we devoting time and attention to that? Yeah. And um, now I'll tell you, it's, it's an incredibly, it's like receiving a blessing, you know, mm-hmm. um, just sending out a message or, or making a call for no other purpose than just to, to give some of your attention and some of your time that day to another person. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's gotta be intentional too. You know, it does me no good if I call somebody and then I dominate the conversation, <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey. and, um, it has, you know, the content of what we do matters. I'll, I'll call somebody and just ask them, well, how are you doing? And, really let them answer that question and pray with them. And if the scriptures are, are saying something that would apply to what we're talking about, you know, in an obvious way, we can go there, you know, but, but to really treat that as like sacred space and, and give them control of it, there is something really refreshing about loving people in that way. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Uh, and I, I can never forget that Paul did say, uh, physical training is of some value, mm-hmm. <laughs> not great value. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I like to find time to exercise too. Yeah. Well, you can't live out your mission if your body doesn't work. <laughs> right. Um, which I, am I as disciplined about that as I should be? Probably not, but you know, Hey, what suburban middle-class American really is. <laughs> <laughs> what do you like for exercise? I know you have a wrestling history. I've been hearing about that. Oh, <laughs> probably don't get to participate in that these days. No, uh, that was a brief, brief yet exciting time in my life when I was still the number two at Rockridge. So I had a little more time. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, and I think my nephew, John, who's eight, has been saying he's going to play racquetball with you. He would like to <laughs> get his dad to put that on the calendar. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I, I did for four months train actively as a professional wrestler yeah Um, and i you know got close to being booked to some like you know birthday party shows uh you know there's coaches there who get a feel for what your physicality is like what your body's capable of but ultimately what you look realistic doing you Mm. know everybody's gonna have their own style and when they found that then they started refining for me here's here's a workable match for you here's stuff you could do that people will buy okay and uh we you know worked out a formula for like a eight to ten minute thing and then they said okay now we can start taking bookings but then that was right when lockdown started so uh, okay. all the bookings stopped but that was that was opinion. that was pretty recent huh yeah 2020 so oh, cool uh so yeah i you know, dabbled in it for a minute. Um, that was my gift to myself after seminary was over. Okay. <laughs> so, 
so yeah, that's that's as close as I came. But uh, yeah, no, I, for regular exercise, I love lifting weights. I think there's a lot of value in going and lifting heavy things. Mm-hmm. Um, this is almost another would almost need another conversation, but there's a value into in failing at something, mm. um, in getting to the limits of your capacity and capability. Mm-hmm. Uh, and weightlifting will constantly remind you of what you're actually not capable of. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of the point, right? It's to, to work to failure. Yeah. It's a competition that never ends. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I love doing it. It's the only form of exercise I've ever actually enjoyed. I hate running. Uh, <laughs> I'm not even convinced anymore that running is good for you. Yeah. Um, it probably is, <laughs> but I hate doing it. You know, I, I have tried yoga. Don't love it. Um, except for this one kind called DDP yoga, which we can talk about another day. Okay. DDP was a form of professional wrestling. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, no, lifting weights is great. Um, okay. And it will take you to that place where you remember, oh yeah, I can't just do anything I want. <laughs> you know? Yeah. All right. Well, I really want to thank you for being here with us today and lending your thoughtfulness. And well, first of all, for listening to the podcast and then providing feedback for where the conversation needs to go. And if there's ever an opportunity to, to do a part two and even take a first step into working on this as a project, this partnership as a project, I'd love to come back. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Let's do it. (laughs) Thanks Charles. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to the rest of that clip from Charles and pastor local here in my community who was talking about really wanting to be able to bless people with healing that comes from both their um, spiritual life and their mental and emotional health. And so we're going to continue this conversation, but after last week's episode where we heard the beginning of this conversation with Charles, I got a message from a listener who wanted to follow up with me on this question um, saying, I use this term, the first line of defense or on the front line when speaking about pastors. And sometimes that is true. And sometimes it's not true, depending on who you are, what your, what your issue is and, uh, what kind of cultural or familial background you come from. So she asked me, when should I go to my pastor first? And when should I see a therapist first? So I wanted to offer a couple of practical uh, considerations for that question. So here, here's one thing that I thought. You are not going to be able to call your therapist late at night on, uh, you know, uh, on the whim and have your therapist actually answer. There's a more of a protocol uh, for, is this a mental health emergency? If so, we call 911 or we use a uh, emergency services in the community, but your therapist is going to have some boundaries around that. Now I allow my clients to text me and I'm usually pretty quick about responding to text messages, but I do set boundaries on not responding after a certain time in the evening or when I'm with family, things like that. Pastors, in my experience, pastors have 
fewer of those boundaries, they have more availability for people in their congregation because they, um, they want to be there when you're going through something. So most pastors I know receive a lot of phone calls from people who need help with various things, whether it's a practical need, an emotional need, a prayer need, something like that. So I want you to consider that you may call your pastor first just because your pastor is more available. Um, if you go to a large church or you're part of a new church that you haven't known for very long, you may feel less uh, access to your pastor than somebody who maybe goes to um, a smaller church or somebody who's been around for a long time. But I want you to consider even in a large church, you have the ability to call the office and there's usually someone available that they can patch you through to. The reality of mental health care right now is that most therapists are very booked, very full schedules. And so it may take several um, days or even weeks of calling and trying to figure out schedules and availability for you to get a therapy appointment. So in the meantime, your church community can be a really helpful stopgap until you can get the kind of service that you need. With that being said, I think that a lot of times pastors are the first ones we call and then therapists can come along to do some of the long-term work that's needed for the emotional or mental healing. Um, you will also want to keep following up with your pastor to make sure you're healing on a spiritual level as well and, and community level. Now, I had to also bring up into this conversation that it may be different depending on what your background is, what, what your family is like, and what, what the issue is. Um, my friend that asked me this question said, now, of course, if your, if your issue is clearly a spiritual issue, like I'm doubting the existence of God. I don't know if I'm really saved. I don't understand why God works this way or the Bible says this or why do Christians say this? Um, those are obviously questions that your pastor is equipped to answer and to help you with. Not saying that a therapist is not, but that's going to be more in the purview of your pastor. Questions that have more to do with deeper relational problems uh, or mental health concerns, such as depression or anxiety, eating disorders, um, even things like divorce and co-parenting, custody issues, uh, some of the some of that nitty gritty stuff that we work with as therapists, that's going to be something that your pastor might offer you the comfort in the moment and then refer you on to a qualified therapist to work out the longer term issues. However, depending on the culture that you come from, you may be more likely to seek a professional or not. And I want you to understand that I am a white female coming from a middle-class family with a high level of education. And so understand where I'm coming from when I say this, that a lot of white people are more likely to look for a professional to help with business and not tell their close relationships because they want to keep some kind of they trust professionals more than they trust their families sometimes. Um, this can be different 
in say a black or Hispanic family, um, the, the person that I was talking about this with is a black woman and she was saying, no, in our family, we have to keep our business within the family. We don't tell our business out on the street. And that is a common refrain that she's heard throughout her life that you would not be talking about some of these things outside of the family structure. And if you have a, a close relationship with your uh, church community and your pastor, then that would be the next logical person to know your business. Um, in another conversation with some friends who have a Hispanic background, they talked about uh, growing up in a church where if somebody had an issue, pastor would bring them up on stage at church and people would come around them and pray. So everybody knew the issue. So depending on what kind of background you come from, there's going to be a different approach to whether you seek a pastor first or a therapist first. I guess what I'd really like to get across here is that seeking support in general is your best bet. It's not, it's not for Christians to go through this life alone. We don't need to try to fix our problems ourselves. I think you will have heard many times over the course of listening to the Soul Grit podcast that God is for your healing and your wholeness, and he's provided both uh, common grace in, in modern medicine and modern psychology, as well as his specific grace in the way that he relates to you. And he wants you to partake in having that support that you need. So I hope this has been helpful for you to consider who should I call when I'm having an issue. And if you have more comments on this and would like to talk more about this in the future, make sure that you send me an email at info at soulgritresources.com or message me on Instagram at soulgritresources. Thanks for being here. The Soul Grit Podcast is a production of Soul Grit Resources. You can find more at soulgritresources.com or on the socials at soulgritresources. You can email me at info at soulgritresources.com.